today on an all-new Dr. Phil. Looking at the monster that I was, it haunts me. So why did you embrace this lifestyle? They belong to a culture of hate. I never saw the skinhead side of Tad. You are damaged. You're damaged inside and out. Now they say they want to turn their lives around. I got an awesome family. I know that I have some things that I need to make up for. This is the moment. This is the time. I know things are tough out there, but we can do this. If it matters to you, that's what I want to talk about. Ten seconds to end. Love you. Well, thank you. This is going to be a changing day in your life. Ready, camera five. Three, take track. Go, Dr. Phil. Let's do it. all have done things in our past that maybe we just have a hard time getting over. But what if you did something so horrible you could find no way to even consider forgiving yourself? What if it wasn't just an isolated mistake, but a lifestyle you embraced that was so terrible, so violent, that it cost you, your family, and your friends? Today we're going to talk to two men who face this exact struggle. They are men who joined ranks with white supremacist and neo-Nazi groups, and they committed terrible acts along the way. Now, you may be wondering why I would even be talking to people who have done such heinous, violent things. And you're right to ask that question. I normally would never share a stage or give platform to anyone with such sick, racist, and hateful views. But both of my guests today say they have gotten out of the hate groups, changed their ways, and say they want my help in turning their lives around. That's the only reason I'm even willing to speak to these guys. And I'm going to tell you straight up front that I approach this with much skepticism. Now, the other reason we want to tackle this subject is the fact that there are currently close to 1,000 hate groups in the United States. This is at an all-time high in American history. This is not some isolated minor problem. These people are raising children and passing on their hate and prejudice from generation to generation. This should be a huge wake-up call to all of us. Take a look. Neo-Nazi rally erupted into violence today. The ugly side of racism hanging heavy in the air. Two new reports out document an alarming rise in the number of hate groups in the United States. The election of Obama, immigration issues, and now the economy is causing a resurgence of what we saw in the days of Timothy McVeigh. The anti-immigration protest was organized by members of a neo-Nazi group. We will stand and we will fight to the last man in defense of America. Racism is, it needs to be confronted and, and stopped. Well, American prisons are breeding grounds for hate. My first guest became a white supremacist while incarcerated for countless felonies. He went in a troubled young man and he came out a hardened, violent ex-con. Take a look. When I went to prison, the only person that was even willing to speak to me and claim that he was gonna watch my back was a gigantic black dude. This guy would have raped me. He's a notorious prison rapist. I decided that I was gonna do what I had to do. And I just unleashed fear, anger. You wanted to I'm not a 
I'm a man. And two hours after that happened, I was summoned to the white shot caller cell, the leader of the white supremacist. That exact moment, I was welcomed in. These guys were gonna keep me from being raped or preyed upon. I didn't really care what they believed. Every day, living, breathing hatred, yeah, I bought into it. I'm putting political symbols on my body. I was the first one to volunteer when they said, this guy needs to be put back in line. I was given an order, smash this child molester. I hit him on his chin as hard as I could. I threw him into the porcelain toilet. His face made a sickening sound. Blood just... He stopped moving and stopped screaming. He's just laying in a pool of blood and the guy that was watching the door is yelling, Stop! Tad! You're gonna kill him! I personally, physically assaulted 20 people. I was in a pretty good scuffle with a very large uh, oriental guy. He got a hold of a razor blade. I got scars on my arm. I got puncture wounds in my back. I've got a slice mark down my side. I've got scars on my face. I ordered hits on people that have brain damage to this day. I didn't have a conscience in prison. I didn't care. I didn't care if people got hurt as long as I didn't. These guys are all about white power from sunup to sundown. Oh, they love Hitler. They think Adolf Hitler is a god. I can't count how many guys I met in prison with his portrait tattooed on him. I bought into it. Now I get it. Well, Tad is here because he says he wants to turn his life around. Now, I say that he says he wants to turn his life around because I'm not really convinced where you are at this point. So, I, I, And the only way I can help you is to give you honest feedback. I think in the deep down in my heart, I knew it was wrong. I knew the things that, that and I, of course, I knew the hateful views were wrong, but even the whole convict mentality that, that going to prison and coming out, you know, somebody tough and somebody important was cool. And it really took this awakening, that's you know, what I call it, to realize uh, how ridiculous holding on to, to being what's a the catalyst for change? Because I've got to tell you, as I'm watching your tape piece, a lot of that stuff you seem to be describing with pride. I smashed his face in and blood was everywhere. And, I, you know, I, I've been doing this a long time. And I, I'm listening to that and I'm saying, you know, I'm not sure you get it. You know, I, I imagine it was probably out of, out of habit because for a long time I told that story with pride. Are you a white supremacist as you sit here now? Absolutely not. So as you look through this audience and, and you see people out here uh, that are not in, in that narrow category you're talking about, African Americans, Hispanics, uh, Asian folks, whatever, what's your reaction to them? Not, I, it was a, a prison-based mentality that I don't mean to make excuses for. My, my beliefs were hateful, they were despicable. Um, but I would have never taken on these beliefs had I not been in the situation that I was in. And I don't say that to make an excuse. I understand. Why change it? Why change because it it's, now? Well, you can, because you have two ways, you have two choices in life, in my opinion. You can choose to love or you can choose to hate. And hate will destroy you. It will destroy you. Are you, you loving with your wife? Absolutely. Probably she won't tell you so, but I. I yeah, I think, yes. Well, I love let, let's find out. What you don't know about this ex-con is he's also a husband and a father. And his hardcore prison attitude does cause conflict in his family. Let's look. 
I was just about to turn 19 when I started my life of crime. In a matter of three months, I racked up 17 felonies. I met Tad when he was four days out of prison. Shortly after I met Tad, he went back to prison. He was released. We were married that very day. Both times that Tad went back to prison, I was pregnant with our children. I never saw the skinhead side of Tad, but I have to be careful about what I'm telling him not to set him off. I still think like a convict. I mean, I wished I didn't. I'd give anything in the world to not get mad when someone bumps into me or, or when someone cuts in front of me on the freeway. The hardest thing for me is wondering if Tad's going to be around tomorrow. He can pack up and leave at any time. Tad will say things to me when he loses his temper that he would say to the guys in prison. Definitely my time in prison affects the, the father that I am and definitely plays a role in my marriage as well. Tad doesn't like for the kids to interrupt. And I don't spank my kids, but I, I yell and I, I get angry pretty quick. If I tell my kids you need to eat in the kitchen and 10 minutes later are in the living room, in my mind, you just blatantly disrespected me. Most of the time, it's me bringing him back to reality, reminding him how much we love him, how much we depend on him now, and how important he is to our family. Well, help me understand this, Tad. If I had been in prison, if I had been fighting for my life, and then I got out and was at home with wife and family, I think I'd choose to be hugely happy. Do you still have a lot of anger? Yeah. Do you vent it on your wife? Yeah. Are you intimidated by him? He would never hurt any of us, but it's said in the clip, his first instinct is to leave. You know, there's times when I will avoid, you know, the confrontation or just, even if I feel I'm right, let it go so that it doesn't get worse, so that he doesn't pack up and leave. You gave up a lot to be with him. Tell me about that. Um, when I met Tad, I had three children. And it was, being with Tad was a very easy way for my exes to get custody of my children. And so I have three kids that I don't have custody of. I think that there are habits that are formed in prison. It's all about respect in there. I say all the time, I went away to College 101 and Tad went away to Prison 101 or Thug University. Well, you make excuses for him all day, but you're not in prison now. You're, you're at right. home right. with her. Right. You know, she's very nervous about what she says in front of you here today. Mm -hmm. This is the moment. This is the time. I can't help what you don't put on the table right. here. Right. And if you're intimidated by him, that's not what you want, is it? No. I mean, you, you can't change what you don't acknowledge. We gotta get it on the table. All right, we gotta take a quick break. Next, there is someone that Tad desperately wants to reconnect with, in addition uh, to his wife. They haven't seen each other for 10 years because of Tad's choices. But first, here's what Cassie has to say about the one man who was there for her while Tad was in prison. My dad struggles with the choices that I've made. My dad was right there with me in the delivery room while I had my kids. And for his baby, that wasn't good enough. She should have had a husband there, and she should have had somebody to take care of her. 
tomorrow on an all-new Dr. Phil. We're talking about the problems in life that make you ask yourself, am I the only one? A woman afraid to reveal her dark secret. I live in a community where I'd be totally ostracized. A girl obsessed with slasher films. You're not cutting yourself, right? She has a master's degree, but no job offer. People see me and they say, why don't you go work at Hooters? You can't just sit on the sidelines and say, well, I'm too pretty. That's tomorrow. The whole ideology of a white supremacist is the Jews run the media. The blacks wouldn't be happy if they didn't have slavery to cry about, that they're lazy. There's going to be some people that say, wait a minute, this dude believed that. You're right, I did. And I, and I don't make any excuses about that because I can tell you, I've experienced the power of hatred. Now, Tad has racked up 21 felonies. He spent 12 years in prison as a white supremacist. Now, he says that he wants to turn his life around and become more like the man that his father was. Take a look. I grew up in a, in a very loving Mormon family. I had an awesome family, awesome upbringing. I'm not a racist person. Black, Mexican, white, I had all kinds of friends growing up. I was about two months away from my 16th birthday when my dad died. For sure it was a crossroads. You know, I don't, I don't use my father's death as a crutch. He taught me right from wrong growing up. You know, I've always said that if I could be half the man that my dad was, then I'd be happy. I'm very lucky to have the dad that I did. An amazing man. I mean, he, um, I think he deserved more out of me especially. That's tough to talk about, right? And uh, when did you lose your dad? Uh, right before I turned 16. What would he think about the choices you've made? He'd be very upset, very, very let down, disappointed. I'd love it if he was here and able to see the changes that I'm making right now. Well, there was another man in Ted's life who he looked up to a lot, his dad's best friend, Dan. He was like a second father to Tad, but Tad lost that connection when he chose the convict life. These two men have not seen each other in 10 years. Dan has refused to have any contact with Tad until he sees a serious change in his behavior. But he did agree to be here today in support of what's going on. So I'm going to ask Dan to come out. Why did you agree to come here today after not seeing Dad for 10 years? If there's any way that I can have an influence on him to turn his life around, that's, that's probably why I'm here. You heard me say at the top of the show that I approach this with a healthy degree of skepticism. Uh, how about you? I, I'm, I feel the same way you do. I just think that it's very difficult for people to change your behavior. I asked Tad what his dad would have said and done about the choices he's made, the life he's he has He would have killed him. <laughs> See, he would have killed him. 
I would have helped him. <laughs> How do you feel about this man being here today? I told your producers he wouldn't come. Dan told me, if you go back, I'm done with you. And I, I thought that our relationship was over. Are you worthy of him being here? I don't think so. I'm glad he's here. But I know, I know I let him down. I know how much he loved my dad. He's right. My dad wouldn't have put up with that crap. You know, if you look at the things that wound up in prison, you've got forgeries, grand larceny, burglary, theft, evading arrest, carrying a firearm. I, I mean, you haven't made a bad choice that wound you up somewhere. You've set a different watermark, a, a different standard for your conduct. And when you hear people say that actions speak louder than words, this is something that you've got to behave your way out of. I mean, can you really change this and be the man that your, your father raised you to be? You can do that, but you have to be willing to step up and do what it takes. You don't just get out of one lifestyle decide you want something different. There's a lot of work that has to go into that. I mean, you have to decide, you are damaged. You're damaged inside and out, you are damaged. You've had stuff pounded into your mind, your head, your heart. Everybody has a way of going through the world. You have chosen a toxic way to be in this world, true? True. And now you're bringing some of that toxicity from the prison into your marriage. This woman made huge sacrifices to stand by you and be with you. I don't know that I agree with those. I think you probably made a serious mistake. You're a mother, those are your children. That's something you now have to live with. You've made this mistake. Do, do you get what she sacrificed to be with you? I mean, I obviously know, but do I, do I know what it's, what it's done to her? I don't, I don't think so. I don't think I understand the magnitude. Well, it's huge. Well, I understand that. I mean, it's huge. This is kind of like the chicken and the pig on a bacon and egg breakfast. The chicken's involved, the pig's committed. <laughs> you know? She is committed here, right? You have to make a decision that you are going to walk out of your history. You're gonna walk out of your past. You're gonna heal the things that you gotta heal, you may have to spend the rest of your life redoing things that you've done. You said you've put hits out on people that still walk through this life with brain damage today. Do you understand that that means because of something you said or did that somebody's life is altered forevermore? You can't undo what you've done. You'll figure this out after you work on this a while, but the person you're mad at is you. You just haven't had the guts to deal with that, so you've been venting it on a whole lot of other people. You know, racism is based on the fact that somebody's got to figure a way that there's somebody below them so they can feel better about themselves. It's called leveling. You've got to figure some of these things out. You've got dues you owe. All right, we've got to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about where Tad's family finally drew the line and how Cassie's family feels about her husband and what this good gentleman has to say about the future. We'll be right back. The first page of a book never tells the full story. And those news alerts and headlines, like the ones we get on our phones, don't even scratch the surface of what the story is really all about. 
Stories are like people, multi-layered and complex. It takes some digging to find the truth, but when we find it, it can change our world. We like to dig. The news on Merritt Street, essential television. Real women with real issues, they're getting ready to make major changes. Introducing the Dr. Phil Housewives in two weeks. While I was in prison, I wrote my little brother a letter detailing the basic beliefs of white supremacy. My family found one of the letters in his room. And they told me, you're trying to infect our family with your hate, and we are not cool with that. Well, that was Tad talking about how he tried to recruit his own brother into the white supremacist movement. Now, that move was the last straw for Tad's mother. Now, Jeannie is in the audience today. That was it for you. You said that's enough, right? Yes. I was very angry with Tad at that point. Do you believe he's sincere? There has been a big change in Ted. I'm so proud of him from what he was to what he is today. What's your family say about this? Um, Ted went back to prison twice, and they saw what I went through two times, and I think their mindset is if we don't get too involved, we don't get too hurt if he goes back again. And so I have a relationship pretty much right now with two of my sisters. And not with the others? No, and there's 10 kids. What would be your hope and, and dream for him? He, obviously, you love him very deeply. You loved his father. What do you hope for him? I want to see him be happy. I want to see him to make the right choices in life. And uh, I think that's going to be difficult for him, too. I, think, I mean, what I'm hearing now is that he's made a slight change in his direction in which he's going, but he did that, he's done that in the past and fallen off the wagon. Well, T.J. Lydon is the founder of Straight Talk and author of Skinhead Confessions. He's also the leading authority on this neo-Nazi issue, and he believes that Tad has to get out of the prison mentality. T.J., what do you mean by that? Well, when you go to prison, you have a certain mentality, Tad was talking about it, where you're always in control. And if anybody makes fun of you or get bumps into you or gets in your way, you have to retaliate because you can't look like a punk in front of everybody. And the bad thing is, is that he's got to learn to put that behind him. This, this is a 15-year mindset that I'm going to have to come out of. And I've heard you say um, that the best way to judge a person's future is to analyze their past. And if you do that with me, it probably doesn't look like there's a whole lot of hope. But I can tell you this. My thought process is changing. i got an awesome family. I've got an awesome wife. I think this is a blessing for me to, to be here talking with you, and it's tough to hear the things that you're saying. I mean, I, I watched you in prison. I wished you to come out here and hug me, and we can sit around and tell funny jokes, but I respect you, and I, I know that uh, I have some reckoning. I know that I have some things that I need to make up for. But you get that it's doable. I do. You have to acknowledge what you've done. 
And then you've got to put action to that. I mean, the anger that you have, you've got to have the courage to deal with that. It takes help, but you've got to have the courage to deal with that. And then you have to behave your way into a new history. You know, every day that you spend without practicing hatred, without inflicting pain, without managing by intimidation, is a new day of history that now predicts a new future. You know, if, if you, you, you manage your wife by intimidation, she says, you know, if, if, if she says things to you that you consider disrespecting you, then you shut down or you, or you get angry. Well, you've disrespected yourself. It's not hopeless, but it's not overnight. It took you years to get through this, correct? Oh, I had six years of therapy and it was intense. And I had, and like you said, every day was one day farther away from the day I left and it got easier, but it's not, it's not, it's not easy. It takes, it takes time and you have to change your mindset. You have to change your lifestyle. You're creating a new history. And it is true. Your past does predict your future unless something dramatic takes place to change the course of events. And that dramatic thing can be a matter of the head. It can be a matter of the heart. It, it can be getting out of prison. It can be being here. It can be reconnecting with Dan. It can be any number of things. And they can accumulate to say, this is the turning point. This is the day that I require more of myself. Who you are is yet to be defined. You have that opportunity. You have that potential. But it is work. And we're going to talk more about that in a minute. Okay, I'm going to add somebody else to this conversation. It's another former skinhead that has been struggling with his demons since turning his back on the largest neo-Nazi group in America. We're going to talk about that when we come back. My belief system was, if it ain't white, it ain't right. Plain and simple. If I thought they were Jew, then I would hate them. Black, obviously I hated them. The slightest notion that they were homosexual, I hated them. To look myself in the mirror and know what I was, looking at the monster that I was, it haunts me. It's Alex. I'm at the hospital. The baby might not have enough amniotic fluid. You've waited all summer. They will never allow this baby to go home with you. For news of the delivery. I hope it's healthy. Witness the hospital drama. Mommy can leave now. She really does have to go. Can you bring somebody in here to escort my mom out? That no one was expecting. Hold it and push. No. Push, 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 push. put this baby's life in jeopardy. The Dr. Phil Family, part of Dr. Phil's new season, starting in two weeks. We've been asking the question, can you get over your past? Now, my next guest, Josh, says that he just cannot forgive himself for all the horrific violence that he inflicted on others while he was a member of a neo-Nazi group. Take a look. In 1997, I was arrested and convicted of a crime that landed me in a residential treatment facility. I had met some skinheads. They gave me a reason to be angry, refine my anger, if you will, and use it for a purpose. My belief system was, if it ain't white, it ain't right. Plain and simple. If I thought they were Jew, then I would hate them. Black, obviously I hated them. The slightest notion that they were homosexual, I hated them. I didn't hide my beliefs. I flew a swastika flag from my pickup. Respect was both demanded and commanded. If you did not show me respect, I'd make sure you did the next time you saw me. 
2007, I'd gotten tired of feeling angry all the time, tired of feeling empty, tired of hating and not understanding why. A big part that helped me get out of the skinhead lifestyle was becoming a Christian. The weight of my shoulders is very heavy. To look myself in the mirror and know what I was, looking at the monster that I was, it haunts me. My boss, he had given me an assignment to go home, look myself in the mirror and say, I love you, Josh. I have yet to be able to do that. But when I look in the mirror and I see that swastika tattoo on my side, it's a constant reminder. I see people that I had harmed. I see their faces. I see them out in public. I hear their screams. There was a gentleman that I had beat so bad, hundreds of stitches through his face and head. Permanent boot print from where I stomped his chest. We're told that when we accept Christ into our lives that all of our sins are forgiven. He may forgive, but I need to know how can I forgive me. What do you think about what we've been talking about so far as it relates to you? You made the statement that there's a lot of work to be done. That's an understatement. It's probably been one of the largest undertakings I've ever ever even desired to tackle. So why did you embrace this lifestyle? Why did you get into this? Really, I was trying to find a place to belong. Didn't know what else to do with my anger. Didn't want to listen to everybody else. I thought everyone else owed me something. What are you so angry about that you embed yourself in an ugly, hateful group where your prime directive is to inflict pain on people. Prior to being incarcerated, everything that had happened, I wasn't ready to take responsibility for my actions. It was always someone else's fault. It was always this person's wrongdoing or because this person said something that I got in trouble. Never wanted to look in the mirror and say, no, this is your, this is your problem. You were the one who made this choice, not them. Well, you actually went so far as to actively recruit people. What was your motivation for that? If this was just your anger, why go try to bring other people into it? The motivation behind it was simply that that was what we were ta taught to do. We were told that we, want, we needed to recruit, we needed to grow. The more people I recruit, the better it looks on me, the higher in the ranks I can move. There was a point where I was being considered uh, for state commander of the unit for my home state. How do these folks feel about y'all moving away from these groups at this point? Uh, <laughs> I'm not liked. <laughs> I wear a target. There has been retaliation on several occasions, one of which had landed some stab wounds and several cracked and broken ribs and a lot of threats, having to continuously change my email and telephone numbers. You brought security with you here today? I did. Why? Paranoid. Always wondering who's going to know, who's going to recognize me. When are they going to catch up with me and follow through with the threats they make? Can these men change? Plus, what about their children? We're going to talk about all of that next. Getting rid of all my patches, my armbands, flags, propaganda, I had to burn it. It wouldn't have been enough to just throw it away. 
I burned it all in front of a church group. I made it appear very easy, but inside it was like, do I really want to get rid of this? Tomorrow on an all-new Dr. Phil, a woman afraid to reveal her dark secret. I live in a community where I'd be ostracized. She has a master's degree, but no job offers. You know, people see me and they say, why don't you go work at Hooters? You can't just sit on the sidelines and say, well, I'm too pretty. Tomorrow. Closed captioning provided by... If you would like to purchase a tape or transcripts of your favorite Dr. Phil show, please log on to drphil.com or call 866-4-DR-PHIL. That's 866-437-7445. I used to carry a Taurus 9mm handgun semi-automatic with two 17-round clips, one in the chamber at all times. At the time that I sold my handgun, I think it was probably one of the better decisions for me. I was still a little angry with certain things. Instead of setting myself up for failure, I prevented that from happening. Is it possible for these men to change? I, I think it's possible. I mean, people 15 years ago didn't think I could change. And there are still people out there today who don't believe I've changed. And I've been doing this for 14 years, speaking out against white supremacy. They can do it, they just gotta wanna do it. Why make the change? I got to a point where it, it, I wasn't really feeling anything. And I knew that wasn't me. That's not how I was brought up. I lost contact with my children, whom I don't get to see because of my choices. Knowing that someone else is being their dad. knowing that the damage I've done to people is irreversible. That because of my stupidity, I had to screw someone else's life up. Has been more, more motivation than I've ever had to do anything. Tell me about the nightmares. I hear him screaming asking me, begging and pleading to stop. I see the fear in his eyes. Do you have nightmares about this? I do. Minor. Uh, I mean, I dream I'm back in prison all the time. I have uh, evil stuff, dark stuff that, that I struggle with. Well, I'll, I'll tell you both that those nightmares, that experience you have with other people's pain is a huge positive from my point of view. Because one thing we know about psychopaths and sociopaths is they don't have empathy for other people. They can't connect with other people's pain. They don't have any insight or understanding into the fact that, that someone else is suffering or hurting at their hands. And the fact that both of you can, at this point, experience their pain vicariously is a huge positive sign. Because I'm telling you, psychopaths don't have a great prognosis. Uh, I'm encouraged to hear that you have the ability to feel that. 
Now, we're going to take a break. Josh alienated most of his family uh, when he became a white supremacist. Next, the one person who didn't give up on him, and while she's still concerned about his behavior today. We'll be right back. DrPhil.com, brought to you in part by... If you need $2,500 in your checking account by tomorrow, then Western Sky has cash to lend you. Yes, the money's expensive, but there's no collateral required, so call 877-SKY-1224 now. Travel consideration provided by... For my arthritis, I use Capsaicin Quick Relief Gel. Starts working on contact and at the nerve level to block pain for hours. Capsaicin takes the pain out of arthritis. in the audience, call 323-461-7445 or email us at drphil.com. We're back with Josh, who says he can't get over his past after spending eight years with a neo-Nazi group. Now, most of his family refuses to have anything to do with him except for his Aunt Shelley. She was the one person who just never seemed to give up. Take a look. Josh never acted like Mr. Big, High and Mighty, tough skinhead when he was in my house. Josh was my loving nephew. Josh was not allowed to have a gun in my home. He's struggling with how to deal with his anger and skinhead beliefs. Josh has moved on to a point when it comes to African-Americans. It was very offensive to me how Josh treated women. Josh would say, you just sit over there and shut up. You talk to me when you're spoken to. It is hard for me to watch Josh go through the nightmares. He's trying to find that channel to move on, trying to find that path that he should take. Well, Shelly is here today. Shelly, what, what do you feel from Josh as he's talking to me today? I believe that Josh has um, a lot of work to do, and I feel that he really is truly, honestly, trying to make some strides to make amends with himself. I feel that he struggles a great deal with what he did in his past. I, I love Josh unconditionally, and I accept him for who he is. So you believe this is something he can do? You think he's sincere in wanting to do it? Yes, I do. And you believe, Dan, that the glass is half full here. You, you think there is hope. I wouldn't be here if I didn't think there was hope. I want you to understand that this comes from the inside out. Do you have to make amends with people in your life? Do you, do you have to try and mitigate some of the wrong that has been done or all the wrong that has been done? There's no question about that. But I said you clean your own house first. You know, you say you're both Christians. You know, you know, Christ was here to serve man, not as a master, but to serve. And there's no shame in not being some macho alpha male. It sometimes is, is great to decide my role is going to be in the service of other people. My role is going to be to try to give back, to try to be 
I don't need recognition. I'm just going to, I'm just going to do. If I observe it, if it's observable to a public of one, that's me, and I know I did it, then that's where the healing begins. It doesn't have to be, hooray for me, look what I'm doing. You just quietly go and do it. The test of a marriage is how you treat your wife and your family when nobody's looking and nobody's listening. The test of a marriage is not how you treat them in public. The test is how you treat them behind closed doors. And you behave your way to success. You get up today and you act without anger. You act without judgment. You put yourself in the shop and work on yourself. Maybe it's an hour a day, maybe it's two hours a day where you read, you meditate, you pray, you go to therapy, you do whatever. Then you put that away and you go live it, you go do it. You behave your way to success. And days turn into weeks and weeks turn into months and months turn into years and every day you're distancing yourself from this ugliness behind you. And believe me when I tell you, the difference between winners and losers is winners do things losers don't want to do. Winners get off the couch every day and go find that job. Winners go do what they have to do to make a change. That's where the strength of a man comes from. And, and you can talk about being spiritual, but faith without acts is dead. You have to live it. A job well done is never beneath you. A kindness to another human being is never trivial. And those things begin to accumulate to redefine who you are. I mean, the role of the man in the family is to be a provider, a protector, a teacher, and a leader. These are the things that you have to choose. These are your yardsticks every day. And provider doesn't just mean money. It means to provide, to spiritually feed, to emotionally feed, to do the things that you need to do to nurture those around you and that you love. You do that. You earn that role. Rabbi. You can always stop by drphil.com 24 hours a day, seven days a week. There you'll discover more on today's show and learn life strategies. Well, I want to thank all of my guests for being here today, and I want to thank the studio audience for listening respectfully and intently to what we've been talking about. Um, we've talked about a lot here today. I want you all to watch this show. I want you to take notes. I want you to write things down, and I'm going to talk to you backstage about some things that I want you to do. Um, I also want to thank Straight Talk's T.J. Lydon. Uh, uh, TJ, I appreciate you weighing in on this because this is your vertically developed life. This is, this is what you do. If you want to send me your comments on this show, email me at drphil.com. Uh, I'll talk to you on my blog at blog.drphil.com. And uh, you can send me a message via Twitter, which I pay attention to. And I, and I don't answer all of them because there's a lot of you <laughs> on there, but I, I do try to be responsive. Thanks for being here so long.
want to thank all of my guests for being here today, and I want to thank the studio audience for listening respectfully and intently to what we've been talking about. Um, we've talked about a lot here today. I want you all to watch this show. I want you to take notes. I want you to write things down, and I'm going to talk to you backstage about some things that I want you to do. Um, I also want to thank Straight Talk's T.J. Lydon. Um, uh, T.J., I appreciate you weighing in on this because this is your vertically developed life. This is, this is what you do. If you want to send me your comments on this show, email me at drphil.com. Uh, I'll talk to you on my blog at blog.drphil.com. And uh, you can send me a message via Twitter, which I pay attention to. And I, and I don't answer all of them because there's a lot of you <laughs> on there, but I, I do try to be responsive. Thanks for being here so long.